You're listening to a teaching series by Cross Culture Church of Christ. If you'd like any more information about our church, head to crossculture.net.au. Feel free to share this podcast with others, but please don't alter the content in any way. We hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Cross Cultural Church. It's good to be back with you again this morning. And thank you once again to Pastor Sam and the leaders of the church for the wonderful opportunity to participate in this missions convention. This morning, I want to talk about the heart of God. And, um, and I want us to look at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Now, in the scriptures we just read, there were three parables. The parables of the lost sheep from verses 3 to 7. The parables of the lost coin from verses 8 to 10 and the parables of the lost son from verses 11 to 24. 75% of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament were in the form of parables. Jesus come from a storytelling culture, very much the same kind of culture I grew up in. And our parents, our teachers and our elders will give us instructions and tell us about family history all through the word of mouth and they pass on from one generation to another generation through storytelling. Now, when, 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 it, when it comes to studying the parables, it is important to know that in each parable, there is one main point. All the other points in the parables were only important when it served that one main point. And so, the parables in Luke chapter 15 is put together because they have one main story. And many Bible commentaries, many Bible scholars call them the parables of the Father's heart. These three parables show us the heart of God. So the question I have is, why did Jesus give the three parables? And the answer is found in verses 1 and 2. There were two groups of people mentioned in these two verses. In verse 1, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So there were two groups of people mentioned. The first groups were the tax collectors and the sinners. And the second group were the Pharisees and the scribe. The first groups are the sinner. Uh, the first group is the sinner, the lost the tax collectors, the least rich, and these are the people that Jesus came to save. They were the reasons that God sent Jesus to them. And um, some of these people, they use language, and they have a lifestyle that put some Christians um, very uncomfortable. But nevertheless, they are the people that need to hear and understand the heart of God. And then there's a second group of people, and they're made up of the Pharisees and the scribes. And these people were the scholars and, uh, and the theologians of the days. They were trained um, Bible scholars. They were writers. They loved to publish their works in the internet. And um, whenever they do something, they like the world to know how pious they are. They love to defend their theology. These people are usually very legalistic and constantly thanking God for their righteous lives. 
because they were not like the saints that sits at the back of the church. So back to my question, why did Jesus give the three parables? Jesus gave the parables because he understood the heart of God and because the Pharisees and the scribes do not understand the heart of God. Behind the parables were also the message and the message challenges us to align our hearts with God's heart. So the big questions I have for us this morning is, do you understand the heart of God? So let's look at the three parables. And when I, when I look at the Bible, when I study the Bible, I usually have my pen and my pencils with me and a ruler as well. And I like to underline certain verses in the scripture that have special meanings to me so that I can go back to it again you know, for, for, for more studies. And then I also like to circle certain words that speak to me or tie to the scriptures that I've just read. So when I look at these three parables, I have my ruler and my pencil and, and my pen ready, ready. And I was looking for the heart of God. So where is the heart of God in these three parables? The parables of the lost sheep. Where is the heart of God? So if you will, just follow me and go to verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? If you want to, underline the sentence, go after the lost sheep until he finds it, because that is the heart of God. The heart of God is a seeking heart. The heart of God is a looking heart and is constantly out there looking for the lost. A loving heart and a heart that go after the lost. I have a friend living and working in the Middle East, and to reach out to the Bedouin shepherd, he decided that he's gonna keep some sheep himself. And often he will take the sheep to pasture, and there he mingles with the shepherd. And he told me this, he says the relationship between the Middle Eastern shepherd and the sheep is a very special and intimate relationship. Some of the shepherds have never been to school, they have no education. They don't even know how to count. And when a group of sheep was given to him, he, he, he doesn't know how many. But at the end of the day, when he brought all the sheep back into the pen, one look at his flock, he can tell who is missing. And he can tell which sheep is, is away. And being a good shepherd, he will go out looking for the sheep until the lost sheep is found. It is important because a sheep has no self-defense mechanism. Left on its own, it is vulnerable to the attacks of foxes and eagles, and they probably will not survive through the night. So a good shepherd will go out looking for the sheep until the sheep is found. And then when that sheep is found, usually he will inform all his neighbors and all his friends and relatives and say, hey, rejoice with me because this sheep that was lost is now found. And if you want to circle the word rejoice, because that is the emotion of God's heart when something precious is found again. So moving on to the next story. Now don't forget the two groups are listening. One group is in desperate need of the message of hope and grace. The other is in need to understand the message of grace. So let's look at the parable of the lost coin, verses 8 to 10. 
The heart of God is found in verse 8. And this is a story about a young maiden who has 10 coins and then she loses one of the coins and she was frantic. So she searched all over the house, all over the place. And we'll pick it up from, uh, from verse 8. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light the lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, when I first read this story, you know, this girl, this young maiden who has 10 coins and she loses one of them. And I asked myself, what is the big deal? What's the big deal? If I have 10 coins and I lose, I lost one of them, I still have nine coins. So what is the big deal here? Well, here's the story. In the Middle Eastern culture in those days, this young maiden would collect all the silver coins given to her. And when she has 10 coins, she will make a tiara, like a headband, and she will wear the headband on her wedding day. So the coin is very important because it completes the, the collection. And so in today's term, it is like a young girl with, a, with an engagement ring and then she loses the stones and the ring. Wouldn't she go around looking for it until she finds it? Because it looks incomplete to wear a ring on her wedding day without the stone. And so this girl went looking. And if you want to, you can underline this sentence in the last sentence in verse 8. It says, search carefully until she finds it, because that is the heart of God. And then you can also circle the word rejoice with me, or rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God, because that is the emotions that describe God's heart, God's heart when something precious is found again. Uh, moving on to the third story, the story of the lost son, verses 11 to 24. And there I have my pen and my ruler ready, and I was looking for the heart of God. So the story says here that there was a man who has two sons, and then the younger one left, told the father he wanted his part of the inheritance. And then when he had the money, he went out and squandered it off in while living. Now, before, before we, um, we, get, we become too hard on the younger brother, I just want to say this. It is not wrong in those days for a, for a son to ask the living parent for his part of the inheritance. It was acceptable, but it was not the, the things that people do. However, this younger son was a rebel. So he asked his father for his part of the inheritance, and then he got his money, and he went off and, and while living. But somehow, this young man came to his senses after he squandered off the money and in a miraculous way, he came back to his father. But nowhere in the story that says someone went out looking for him. I was hoping to find that so that I could underline the heart of God in this story. But there was no one out there. When it comes to the lost sheep, someone went out to look for it. When it comes to the lost coin, someone went out looking, someone went out and looked for it diligently. But when it comes to the lost son, a lost brother, a lost neighbor, a lost friend, no one went out looking for him. No one went to search for him. Why? Why? 
You know, the answer is found in verse 25 onwards, the verses that we haven't read this morning. Now, listen, listen carefully. The main message of Luke chapter 15 is not about the lost sheep. The main message of Luke chapter 15 is not about the lost coin. The main message of Luke chapter 15 is not about the lost son. The main message of Luke chapter 15 is about the older brother, the man who did not understand the heart of God, the man who lived in the father's house but did not understand the father's heart. So here is a question we need to ask ourselves today before we leave this, this um, convention. Do I understand the heart of God or am I like the older brother? Now, do I understand the heart of God or am I like the older brother? Let me give you four characteristics of the older brother, the characteristics that prevent a person or a church from sharing the love of God with other people. This four characteristic that prevents the older brother of people like the older brother from going out. One, he was completely self-centered. He was completely self-centered. In verse 29, the context of the story is picking up from verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house. He heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And this is what he said to his father in verse 29. He says, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Is there any doubt in your mind what this guy is thinking about? It's I, me, mine. The older brother, he saw the reunion on the road, but he, he did not know what was going on. You know, someone once said, who knows? Maybe he was the reason the younger brother left home. I don't know. But all I know is that here was this man who was working together with the father in the same field. And the father saw the younger brother came home. But the older brother missed the whole scene altogether. Why? You know, because he wasn't looking. Because he was too preoccupied with his own affairs. He had no interest in other people's situation. And um, he was so self-centered. And for a person who is self-centered, it is very difficult to, for him to see the need in other people. The father came out pleading with him, asking him to go in. And he refused to. But instead, he told his father, you did not give me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. And um, he was self-centered. Secondly, he was completely self-righteous in verse 30. You know, again, the older brother refused. He heard the music and he refused to go in. And even after the servant told him the whole stories about what the father did, 
he still refused to go in. So the father came out and pleaded with him. Now, try to understand this. They come from a global culture, very similar to my culture. And there we, we revere and respect the elder in our family. And if, I, if my father were to come and say to me, I'm putting up a party for all our friends to celebrate my younger brother's birthday or my youngest brother's return from overseas or for whatever reason, if my father put out a party and asked me to be there, I jolly well show up. But here, this younger brother, this older brother, instead of attending the celebration, he refused to go in even after the father pleaded with him. So he did not give his father face. And this is what he said to his father. He says, but when this son of yours, wow, he wouldn't even want to recognize his own brother, acknowledge his own brother. But instead, he says, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home. You kill the fattened calf for him. And what was he saying to his father? You owe me. He was telling his father, you owe me all my life. I did all these things for you. I obey your orders. I cooperate with you. I stayed at home. I was good to you and you gave me nothing. You owe me. And when this younger brother of yours squandered off the money, he came back and you gave him a party. This man has a strong sense of entitlement simply because he was doing the right thing. He completely missed the message of grace. He heard the music, but he did not understand the sound of grace. He was too self-centered, too self-righteous. And for a man who is self-righteous, it is very difficult for him to see the good in the other person. So he could not see the good that is left in the younger brother. The third characteristic of the older brother was that he was completely insensitive to the lost state of his younger brother. Like I said, he heard the music. Did he go in? He would not. He would not go in even though his father came out and pleaded with him. He was so insensitive to the lost state of his brother that he didn't see and couldn't rejoice in the salvation of this young man. Uh, let me illustrate this point with my personal stories. Way back in the early 80s, I, I was just new, joining the, one of the OM ships, the Dulas, that sailed around South America. And I was, a, I was given an assignment, and that assignment was to go ahead of the ship and to prepare the program. So we live in a country, we spend a few months there organizing all the permissions, publicities, events, conferences, and work with the churches, the public, and the government. So in Venezuela, in this town of Valencia, and city of Valencia, um, we were staying with a family from the Bible Society. In this neighborhood, there were a lot of young people, uh, rowdy, noisy, young people living in the neighborhood. And within a week or so, I got to meet some of them, and uh, we, we established some acquaintance, and I would wave to them you know, every time we walk, I walked by. During that time, someone gave me a brand new briefcase. All my life, I wanted a briefcase because it makes me look important. It makes me feel that I, I have succeeded. Um, in, in, in life, you know, that I was able to put all the documents, wearing a tie, carrying them around, meeting government officials, 
and about, I, I just feel important. So this briefcase was very important to me. And one day while I was walking back to the house and along the road, and I heard a sound of a motorbike. And then as I turned around, this, this young boy from the neighborhood riding his bike right past me and snatched the briefcase out of my hand. And as he went forward, he turned around and started waving the briefcase as if to dare me to come and get it. And I took off and went after him and caught up with him. And there were some struggles between the, you know, the two of us. And in the middle of our struggle, uh, the briefcase fell out of his hand and hit the road. And it was complete, it, it was open. And all my things came out, papers, photographs, brochures, Bibles, notes, pens, they all came out all over the road. And all the neighborhood kids that were around the area, they looked at the whole scene and they started laughing and jeering. And there I went down and picked up my papers. I felt totally humiliated, violated by this young man. And when I closed the briefcase, it wouldn't even shut properly because it had came loose. And I was so angry. And it was during the time this young man, at that moment, he said something um, in Spanish and everybody laughed again. And I could look at him and even before I could control myself, I heard myself saying to him, go to hell. And I was so angry. But the moment I said it, I felt the Holy Spirit um, rebuking me and said, no, no, I don't want him to go to hell. That is why I sent you to Venezuela. That is why you joined OM, to tell the people that there is a way to heaven. The good news in this story is that a few weeks later, this young man came to faith, not through my effort, but through one of our friends in the neighborhood. And when the ship came to town, I did organize for him to spend a few weeks on board as one of our on uh, port volunteers working on the ship. But here's the sad story. The sad story is the briefcase, which has no eternal value, is more important to me than the salvation of this young man. I was so insensitive to the lost state of this young man that my briefcase became more important to me and more valuable to me than the salvation of this young man. So I was insensitive to the lost state of this young man. And for someone who is insensitive to the lost state of other people, it is very difficult for that person to communicate the gospel of hope and the gospel of love that we have in Christ Jesus. The fourth characteristic, the older brother had the opportunity to go, but instead he stayed behind and instead of going, he stayed behind. And I was looking at this whole thing and I asked myself, how can I conclude this in a positive tone, um, this whole story? And so I decided that I would create an ideal story of the lost son. So an ideal story of the lost son would tell us what the older brother should have done. So let's imagine this ideal story. Now I want to say this is not a biblical story. It did not come from the Bible. It came from my imagination, but I think it is close to the Bible. So here's a story. You know, this older brother, he was there. He saw everything that the younger brother did to the father. And then the younger brother left home and he saw the sadness that came to his father's heart. Every morning when the father woke up, he would look at the bed 
where the young brother once slept and it was still empty. And every time they sat down for the meal, the chair where the younger brother uh, would sit was empty and cold. And every day, as the father looked out into the field, he was staring at the distance, hoping that the younger son will come home. So sadness fills the father's heart. And the older brother saw all that, and it disturbed him as well. So one day, he came to the father, and he said to the father, he said, Father, Father, I know you love the second brother so much that it pains you to see him gone astray. And I know how you feel. You, you loved him, and you will not rest until he is found. So, Father, I have gone to the field, and I've arranged for the workers to work while I'm away, and I have given instructions to all the servants in the house, asking them to look after you in my absence. So, Father, I know, I know that you will not be happy again until the younger son, younger brother, has come home. So, Father, you know, the servants will take care of the matters and look after you while I'm gone. So please let me go and find my lost brother. Here am my father, send me. This would have been an ideal story, but nothing of this kind was found here. Instead, we have a man who lived a life in a joyless existence. And here was a man who could sit at the house of the Lord and really does not know the Lord of the house. So I leave this question to, with you. Do I understand the heart of God? Or am I like the older brother? Let's pray together. Father, we once again thank you for the story from Luke chapter 15, how they describe the essence of your heart for the lost. And we pray, Father, that you will continue to search our hearts as we examine our responsibilities and our relationship to the lost. Lord, we don't want to be like the elder brother that live in your house but do not understand your heart. But instead, Lord, we ask you to show us what it means to reach out to, some, to people who have no knowledge of you and help us to love them and look for them the way you love them and look for them. In Jesus' name, amen.